Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Need to turn in your Bible to the book of Acts in chapter 2, verse 42, to the end. Speaking about the early church, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Say awe. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Verse 43 everyone was filled with awe. There's a phrase that we've been using in the church, maybe the last few months, goes back a few years, but particularly recently, that it's time for the awe to come back to church, to evangelism, to mission, to life, to prayer, to worship. It seems to me that in the early church and in the ministry of Jesus, This activity was surrounded by awe. I had a little look this week at what various people have tried to define the word awe. So let's start here in Webster's Dictionary. Defines awe as an emotion. And it is. Awe is not something other than an emotional response. We can't say we're all going to have awe. One, two, three, go. We can't say let's all be sad or let's all be happy. One, two, three, go. And neither can you have awe at your own will. It is an emotion. An emotion, says Webster's, Variously combining dread, if you like fear, veneration, that means respect, a very deep respect, and wonder. An emotion combining fear, respect, and wonder that is inspired by authority or by the sacred or the sublime. 
Another definition I found this week, a little simpler, a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. So let me ask you, as I ask myself, when's the last time we felt that? Because it seems to me that that's what church and that's what the kingdom of God Let's break out of the four walls of meetings. That's what the kingdom is supposed to be like. It is supposed to be a place of awe. Many years ago, I attended a conference back in the late 90s where God was moving very powerfully. And I remember as I... I don't know if you've ever done this, but I didn't know where the conference venue was. So I went there the night before to see how long it took to get there from the hotel and things like this. And I arrived and the team were setting up in this, it was like a sports hall in Washington. And not the one in America, but the one in the northeast of England. There's a Washington in England, did you know that? You say, well, where have you been? Oh, I just, you know, I just got back from Washington, you know. But I went to this sports hall and I remember I'd heard stories of God God's activity and I remember my overwhelming emotion as I just looked through the door into the sports hall you know thinking about the meetings that were going to begin the next day my overwhelming emotion was fear I was afraid And attending the conference the next day, pulling into the car park and having my... Have you ever been to a Christian convention? You know, you have, a, you have your letter or you have your pass or whatever. I can't remember what it was like in those days. A little t- too long ago for it to be an email notification. But I remember going there thinking, I am afraid. And I want to say that, th- that there was nothing wrong with that. Sometimes people say, well, if, if, if something happens in church and people are afraid, it can't be God. Have you read any of the Bible? Every time God shows up, the almost entirely the first thing he always says is, do not be afraid. Why would he say that? Because they were. We've traveled along so long and forgive me but let me just speak freely but we've traveled along so long sometimes in the charismatic Pentecostal church with the pseudo supernatural i.e. it's not it looks like it might be supernatural but maybe it isn't we've traveled along so much used to that that when the real thing happens frightens us Zechariah and Elizabeth were people of prayer Luke chapter 1 He was a priest. He stood in the presence of the Lord. But as soon as the supernatural happened, he was terrified. Peter, James and John and the rest of the first disciples were good Jewish synagogue attending boys. They knew what it was to Pray and to worship and sing hymns and read the Torah, read the law. 
But when Jesus showed up, what does it say many times? They were afraid. They were terrified. So I just want to put to bed any thoughts, any thoughts, theological objections, that if it's frightening, it can't be God. God is frightening. Not in the sense that we should run and hide from him. But God isn't a fairy tale. He's real. And his activity is frightening. Why do you think that guy felt in the loo this week? Blessed? Yes. Amazed? Yes. Terrified? You bet. You bet. It's time for the awe to come back. And we don't get the awe back by singing a song or two. We don't get the awe back by the right kind of preaching. The awe comes back when the God of all awe comes back into his church and back into our lives. Now I'm going to be a bit naughty, but there's a word that gets used all the time, particularly in the United States, but just as much here too. Oh, that was absolutely awesome. Really? Are we sure? It's awesome if it made us a little worried. It's awesome if it created in us a sense of holy respect, fear and wonder. The next Star Trek film is not awesome. The new cheeseburger is not awesome. But our God is an awesome God. And we can't play charismatic games with him. I don't know about you, but I want the real. I want the real thing. Or, very quickly, what does the Bible say happens when the awe comes back to church. And I'm going to go through these very, very quickly. The first thing is, people praise God. When the crowd saw this, this is the, an account from Matthew 9, where the man is lowered through the roof. You remember that? Lame, unable to walk, paralyzed. And he stands up in front of them. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. And they praised God. In the same story, Luke 5, verse 26, the same story but a different gospel. Everyone was amazed, says Luke, and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I don't know about you, but I want the church to be a place of remarkable things. I want my life to be a life of remarkable things. When I was 18, 19 years old and I (coughs) went to giant youth rallies. And that was a long time ago. I'm too old now to even be leading youth rallies. But when I was at those youth rallies and I left my seat, I remember being in the NEC in Birmingham. 
And I walked what seemed to be the hundred mile walk to the front. As a Christian, as a baptized in the Holy Spirit Christian, but to say, Lord, I want you to do anything you want to with my life. I wanted to be ruined for the ordinary that day. And I believe God wants our lives to be ruined for the ordinary. There are far too many ordinary people around. But God wants us to be extraordinary. In Him. There is no pride in this. There's no arrogance. If you think to move in the Spirit makes you arrogant and proud, you've never done it. In fact, it makes you fearful and trembling and humbled. And never has a truer word been spoken than that. We have seen remarkable things today. I hope we heard a remarkable thing here today. I hope we're feeling and experiencing remarkable things here today. It is the kingdom of God. And it leads us to praise God, to sing to God. Lovely psalm. Psalm 65 and verse 8. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. When the awe comes back into church, church gets a bit noisier. There will also be times when it gets very, very quiet. As we can't believe what we're seeing and hearing. But when Jesus was bringing the awe of God into the midst of the people, they instantly became worshippers. They praised God. It's interesting because... Just allow this thought, if, it's, if you can catch this, they didn't understand that he was God. But they praised God when they saw him, and that's what should happen here. There's no man or woman wants to be elevated here. Let every man and woman be brought low, but let Jesus Christ be lifted up and exalted. They praised God when they saw this. So praise. We will not create a wonderful praising atmosphere by new songs, old songs, good musicianship, bad musicianship, this language or that language. We will have a house of praise if it is a house of awe. This is the word of the Lord. The second thing, which is wonderful, they sensed God. In Luke 7, Jesus messes with a funeral. The widow's son at Nain, the Bible says that as Jesus was coming into the village of Nain, he saw this funeral He saw this widow. You understand that this is a family crisis. It is a widow. It is her son. 
There are social, economic issues here. The lady has no husband, now she has no son. Jesus is moved with compassion. I'm not sure the young man was delighted about it. He was probably just in heaven and then suddenly he's back in Nain. What's going on here? I thought I was well out of this place. But for the lady's sake, the widow, he brings that young man back to life. And he begins to speak, the Bible says. And here, they were all filled with awe. They praised God and they said, a great prophet has appeared among us. And this is the line that I noticed this week. God has come to help his people. What a wonderful thing to know that this God who is quite frightening, awesome, is our helper. It's what Jesus called the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Our helper. And we need to get a much bigger God in our vision. I don't know if you've ever been to the theatre, and I don't even know if they still do this. It's been quite a while since I went to the theatre. But in London, in a London theatre, by the way, which were built for tiny little people, not big people. They used to have opera glasses. Do you ever seen those? Put in 20 pence and you can borrow a pair of glasses so you can just about see the stage. Or a pair of binoculars. You ever taken a pair of binoculars? But there's one thing you can do. And I used to do it as a kid. Turn them round the other way. And it makes everything smaller. I used to think it was a good deal to go to the West End and to sit in the 17 pound seats rather than the 70 pound ones and just pay another 20 pence and make everything a bit bigger. That seemed like good economic sense. But this is what we have to do. God cannot be any bigger than he is. But he can be bigger in our, in our vision. When we say, Lord, be magnified. We magnify your name. Magnify means to make bigger, yes. And God can't be bigger. But he can be bigger for you and bigger for me. That when I have a problem in my life or where there is obstacles in my life, my God is not like a little genie who can just do a couple of things but quickly runs out of batteries. There is nothing that God can't do. We heard it in the prophetic already today. He can halt the sun and the, and the stars. He can, he can alter time. He can do anything. And we must have a big God. He's big anyway, but we, we're so very good at turning those opera glasses the other way around and God becomes smaller. But when the awe comes back, when we encounter God, suddenly we realize He's so big. And it creates hope. Hear the word of the Lord. It creates hope in us. The purpose of the move of the Holy Spirit is not to entertain Pentecostals. 
and make them feel that their church is going someplace. The purpose of the move of the Spirit is not for Facebook statuses or Charisma magazine quotes. The purpose of the move of the Spirit is to show that in God there is hope. God has come to help His people. Lord, be magnified. Will you pray that with me? Say it. Lord, be magnified. You can't make God any bigger, but He can be bigger for you. They sensed God's nearness. Third one. They shared God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. This is the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. When Zechariah suddenly is able to speak, he said his name should be John. He'd been struck down by the angel, you remember, and he was able to speak. And the result of this, Luke 1 verse 65. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Here's another good reason for the awe to come back into church because it makes headlines. Not always literal headlines. But we have a God that deserves to be spoken about through the neighborhood. We have a God who should be shared. And when the awe comes back, we start to share like never before. Years and years ago, maybe three, four years ago, I was in a town called Brixham. And I was praying for the sick and I remember it was a difficult evening. And for about an hour, there was a whole crowd of people that all came including quite a famous evangelist I seem to recall was there. And I was praying for them and not much was happening. I can tell you the truth. Not much was happening. Not in front of me. Maybe later it manifests, but not in front of me. And I like things to happen pretty quickly. And after about probably nearly an hour, and if it wasn't an hour, it sure felt like an hour, a girl who I'd been sort of slightly avoiding all evening. She was looking at me all night while I was preaching. And I thought, I think she might want to chat with me and I, I've got to pray for these people. So in the end, after about an hour, I did approach the girl and she said that she was deaf in one of the ears. So I prayed with her and within seconds there was a and her ear opened. I thought, sweetheart, I should have prayed with you right at the beginning. I've been avoiding you all night. What a fool I am. But as her deafened ear opened, I just went crazy. And I, me, not them, not the crowd, me, ran out into the street. Ran up to a taxi driver and he said, where do you want to go, mate? Nowhere. My car's over there. But a girl in that building who's deaf, her ear has just opened. 
I ran over to the other side and there was a bus. And I jumped onto the bus. I was terrified, you know, the doors were shut behind me. But I jumped onto the bus and I said, a girl in that hall over there, that Baptist church hall, she was deaf and now she can hear. That's nice. Where do you want to go? I felt like saying, it's you that's deaf. I got in the car. I was driving back to, I was uh, uh, lodging at my parents on that particular occasion. It was close by. And I pulled in at a garage. And yes, I went to go and get a Twix and a Coke. Yes. But I had it in my eye and I stood there. I said, I just want to tell you that in that hall, do you know the hall just down the road from here? There was a girl and she was down there. The neighborhood deserved to hear the story. It's time to go public with our faith. Forgive this phrase, but it really is time for you to come out, you know. That you are a Christian. And that you have seen remarkable things today. Some of you may remember this. I found this on the internet just last night. This is the front page of the Cambridge Evening News, 2005, November. Doesn't he look great down there? That's Phil, look. Churches working miracles. I forget exactly how many people bought this, but it was something like 24,000 people went out and bought this Christian tract from Tesco and all over. As reporters were here and filming what we were doing and uh, taking pictures and interviews and things like this. What is it that generates headlines? It was the awe. It was the awe. It wasn't my dynamic preaching or Phil singing. It was the awe. It's time for the awe to come back. We must have an awesome God. In our church, in our lives, in our workplace, in our prayer times, in our worship, in our Bible reading, in our evangelism. We have a God of awe. I remember walking and seeing that on Mill Road. I thought, what church is claiming it's work? Oh, it's ours. But it said when they all came back, then it spread among the neighborhood. And everyone in the hill country of Judea heard about these things. Our God is an awesome God. Finally, it causes us to seek God. It causes us to seek God. When the awe comes back into church, when the awe comes back into our meetings and into our lives, suddenly church becomes even more exciting than Celebrity MasterChef. Church becomes more compelling than our desire to recover from our fatigue. Church and being with God's people becomes something that pulls us no matter whether we are exhausted or not. It says they devoted themselves 
because of the next verse, you see, because of the, the wonders and signs performed by the apostles, so they devoted themselves to their teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. And it says, all the believers were together. Then another verse, every day they continued to meet together. I am forever staggered and I always will be at how some people have chosen to make Christianity a little hobby in their life. I do not understand people who have that mentality. I don't understand them. May God give me grace maybe to understand them. But if I'm in, I'm in 110%. And because of the activity of God, because of the kingdom of God, manifestly at work, the priorities of these Jerusalem people changed. And when we read what the passage we read earlier from Acts chapter 2, sounds like they were very, very busy people. They met together, they sold everything. And daily people were coming to the Lord. Well, that takes work, that takes follow-up, that takes conversations, that takes prayer. But the awe of God mobilized a people I've got to say something now that comes to my lips. But for some, maybe one or two people in this room, this is the time you've been waiting for all your life. All your life. Don't miss it. You ever stood in a at Drummer Street. And you're looking at a bus and you're thinking, no, no, it's not this one. And then it goes and you're waiting and you say to the person next to you, where's the um, bus to Adder Brooks, will it? Oh, no, the, that was that one that just went. But it didn't say Adder Brooks on it. It just said C6. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, that's the Adder Brooks one. Ah! It's the one I was waiting for. It's gone. Don't miss this move of God. Don't miss the move of God. Don't miss the move of God. Jump in. In Luke 5 verse 26, we read it earlier. They said, we have seen remarkable things today. We have a remarkable God. And we want this community to know that he's remarkable. This Little piece from 1 Corinthians, just to finish. Paul talking about the correct use, and there is an incorrect use, but the correct use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It says, if an, if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God. Not the prophetic people, but God. Exclaiming, God is really among you. 1 Corinthians 14, 25. 
Let me finish with this. There are people who need to see a demonstration of the Spirit's power. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5, that their faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on the power of God. The reason why the acts of the apostles occurred was because men and women acted like apostles. I want to say that again. The reason why the acts of the apostles occurred was because men and women acted like apostles. Now, don't be theologically thrown. Not all are called to be apostles, just as not all are called to be teachers and pastors. But using the word apostle with a small a, meaning a sent one, that's what the word means. There will not be acts in our day if there are not acts of courage. Acts of the Spirit's power. There won't be an acts today. Unless you and me, we act. We take action. To bring about the glory of God in our day. And there are people who, do you know what? They watch you leave your home. Did you know that? They watch you going to church. Your neighbor looking through the window. Oh, she's off. Oh, she's a bit late today. Or more cheekily, oh, it's amazing. She's early today. They must have opened a coffee shop at 10. (laughs) But do you know that many of your friends and family and colleagues, they believe you come to church, but they don't really believe God's here. And some are even Christians who come into a, a church setting. But in their heart of hearts, Their faith says God is here, but their feelings don't say that. They don't really believe God is here. But this is what the word of God says. God is really among you. When that deaf girl heard and I ran out onto the streets, do you know, really that's what I was saying. Grabbing that taxi driver on on the bus in the garage. I believe in God, I preach about God, but just for that hour, it was completely obsessively real to me. And it was like I was grabbing hold of all those people going, God is really among you. Our God is an awesome God. It's not a song, it's a truth. It's the truth. It's time for the awe to come back to church. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.